Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. And Mr. Holmline's voluntary dedication to this spot is only more evident when he makes an appearance on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you on uh, Yom Tov Shani. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like that tribute, huh? If he's, Very much. If he's Very rare. If he's, <laughs> I'm going to pocket it when I can. If he's willing to be on on Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, then either there's a lot of news or he's making clo- uh, quite a sacrifice. In this case, obviously, Malcolm, we believe it's both. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll get your Hanukkah message later on because the holiday does begin Sunday night. And in these crazy times... I don't know how anybody can describe these times in any other way. I think more than ever we need to uh, focus on the message of the holiday of Hanukkah. New South African variant seems to have been introduced uh, with a lockdown down there. Uh, it's funny, because, and, and Israel obviously is concerned, and some of us sometimes forget about the active corridor of tourism and visitation uh, from South Africa to Israel. It's interesting to have... It, it, you and I discussed last week how these rules will probably not change at all for the next few months. And then we read literally about a rule change where you could get a 24-hour rapid antigen test now and get into Israel with that and not worry about a PCR test. Uh, now with the new variant, uh, do you suspect that we're going to go back to uh, to what we now know as the old way and that Israel might actually strengthen their crackdown a little bit more? Yeah, it's a new variant, and nobody knows how resistant it will be to traditional treatments. Uh, It just tells you how dangerous this virus is and why we shouldn't take anything for granted about how we deal with it. Um, And I think that the the danger here is, is of course, uh, that it spreads quickly. We've seen the rise in Europe. Right. And many countries reverting, including Austria, to shut down for lockdown. So I think it's a, it's a reminder to all of us, and the, um, the markets are how seriously taken with these huge drops overseas, and I think in the United States as well. The um, you know so this is a it, it is a message to us, and whether they have to develop another vaccine or or alternate treatments is yet to be determined. So the Israel is already looking at um, greater restrictions. They did change the rule about a three-day PCR test to a one-day test uh, and no serology tests, but that could all change now. Have I missed, I'm being serious now, have I missed that? that or, or, or just, you know, a byproduct of all this is they're always looking at new vaccines. Like, I didn't even realize there was an effort to possibly look at a new vaccine, but I guess the vac- the vaccine, so to speak, is ever-changing, right? And there's always uh, the different improvements they can make. As, as and there are different, look, we saw the pill that was announced. We've right. seen other things that were announced uh, as a reflection of the fact that all the investigations are ongoing and they're looking right. at all possibilities. I got to ask you, if you're on a cordless, just move a little closer to the base, if you don't mind. You know, another thought that came across my mind, Malcolm, and, I, and, and you're probably going to say I'm nuts on this one, uh, and I'm reading too much into it. But when tourism reopened to the level that it did November the 1st, and, and I made the comment last week that one of the things I learned in Israel was was they're not as concerned with tourism as, as we Americans might think they should be. Um, I'm wondering if the two, three weeks of activity 
that the government saw and realized that there really is a strong benefit. I was wondering if that's why they may have changed the rule a bit and made it even easier to encourage more people, especially now it's Thanksgiving weekend, it's a good time to talk about it, to encourage more people to come in December during December and year-end vacations and obviously during yeshiva break. Am I reading too much into this? I think that the the numbers that I know of for the for December, January are very high, as there's a lot of pent up demand. Uh, people are still confused about the regulations, and as that clarifies, it will help. Uh, when I was there a week ago or so, um, they um, they were anticipating a, a big increase. And the right. hotels generally still are empty during the week; they're filled on Shabbos with. Israelis and others, there was a slow increase, but the projections were were optimistic. We hope that that will be sustained. So I think that the government got a lot of complaints. A lot of Hamri Knesset had been complaining to the government because of what they heard about people's difficulties in getting in and the lack of clarity. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that I've heard from hundreds of people about it, everybody trying to check about what what the real rules is and and feeling fearing that they get there and they will be turned around or sent back uh, and especially because there were the fake documents and many other considerations yeah so, so uh, hopefully it'll be on the right track now are, on, yeah. on this so there might be something to it and there may not be something to it does the uh, does the procedures in the Netanyahu case um is it much different i mean i i assume it has to be but maybe you could explain just how different it is uh, to a large degree, maybe only to a small degree. Is it much different now that he's not in office anymore? Is the procedure different? Is media attention completely different? Even though a lot of high-profile stuff happened in the Netanyahu case this week, it doesn't seem like it's at the, that the reaction to it is at the same level as when he was in office. No, I don't think the process changes at all. Uh, the cases are scandalized still in the media. Uh, Netanyahu still looms large over the whole political scene. In the latest polls, show him, you know, forty points ahead of whoever's next. Wow! With uh, or numbers like that, it, it, it's amazing to see it. Um, and the, the you hear it when people talk about about him, and yet I'm not sure that those people want to see him return. I think that they just are acknowledging that he was he's a, a leader and uh, he was effective. Um, and that the current government, because it's such a broad coalition, is somewhat limited, uh, but uh, and seems to be not clear yet on the on the Iran policy towards America's uh, position on the Iran deal. Although I think very clear statements came out in the last 24 hours, and the opposition to uh, a less and less agreement, which is where we seem to be headed rather than a more and more or no agreement given that they are failing to cooperate on any level and that we see them stepping up their drone attacks on Israel and their capacity even to deliver by drone weapons to the West Bank from Syria, from other uh, places. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but the, the, you know, the people are looking at the issues and uh, he's, so Netanyahu remains popular. The media in Israel tends to be very critical of him, hypercritical. So the, it's still the front page news every day, and it's still the subject of a lot of attention. So the best thing he can do is to stay out of the scene, but it's the last thing he wants to do. Well, he doesn't go all the time, but he did go to be in the court when Hefetz, uh, his former aide and friend, um, started testifying. 
and we'll see what the re- real impact of the testimony is. Because yes. some people say that it's in some key issues it wasn't what the prosecution was expecting, but on the other hand, he did reveal um, things that even implicated uh, Netanyahu's wife and others. So we'll have to see. But I'm sort of saying, like, the best thing for him because of the popularity that he enjoys is to stay out of government because, as you just described, he's, you know, pretty popular. And what he wants, of course, is exactly the opposite. One has to suspect he would want nothing less than to get back in as prime minister. So, and He, he would like to. And, and remember, he's, what keep, he's the glue that keeps this government together. Yeah. That it's, it's uh, you know, against Netanyahu as much as it is for this uh, this coalition. Every time we think there's a rising star in that party, it just never materializes, huh? It, it's true. It, uh, people come and rise and then go down, and then the polls show them with 2 and 3% yeah. after very big media announcements. It's uh, very strange. It's funny. It really it, it, uh, validates his political expertise, I guess, at staying so popular and being able to garner the number of mandates he did uh, during all these recent years, uh, even with all the trouble that he's had in the courts. Uh, what can you, we'll get back to Iran in a moment. What can you tell us about this attack in Yerushalayim that took the life of Elie Kay? Um, we're, we're, we're always reading about uh, Israel uh, squelching potential attacks uh, in different ways, but I guess we have to come to the reality that they're never all going to end. I think that the uh, this has struck people in a very hard way, both the, the nature of the crime, the, the perpetrator, who was on an Israeli salary, in fact, because he worked for the school that was under the Jerusalem municipality. He was well-known as a Hamas supporter. He's somebody who went to the Al-Aqsa every morning. Um, And, you know, his wife ran away the day before, came back after he was arrested. And whether she knew or people are saying now, it's because he became more and more agitated, more and more crazy. Uh, And the special nature of Mr. K, uh, by every account, a really special human being, personally and and in his service and working at the Minoroto Kotel, the Western Wall Foundation, uh, giving tours. Uh, But more than that, um, his army friends, and it's just horrific. And the courage of his father, his parents, and then getting up and saying, the lesson is that we we have to be together and, and, you know, trying to calm down the anger and the tension over it. And it, it every aspect of it was quite remarkable. And the killer, uh, the fact that, that uh, he could be teaching in a school and conveying his radical message, I mean, it's, it was obviously a school of Arab children, but still, it's, it's quite remarkable. And then you see how the news um, it obscured the facts how didn't say, you know, CNN said one dead, four injured in suspected shooting attack. And then the AP's report was uh, that the Israeli police shoot dead Palestinian who killed one Israeli and injured four others. It, it's not believable to see uh, that even the Manchester uh, Evening News apologized, quote, unreservedly for a headline that said Palestinian shot dead after a holy site killing. Wow. That, that That's was a bad the headline one. that ran, and, wow. and it took them a while. But the protests were so huge in response to it that they had to apologize. And we see it, you know, completely um, uh, replete in the, in the media. The New York Times featured a video on its website called Mission Hebron that portrays Israel's military presence there as inherently evil. 
and it's it's um, they talk to to employees, former employees, uh, uh, activists with breaking the silence, and we we are seeing that the media throughout is is not in any way uh, trying to correct its ways, trying to be balanced, trying to. Um, uh, they, they concealed the identity affiliations of the people they interviewed. Uh, I mean, we could go through all of them, but this is like a case study. And here you have such a blatant murder, and yet it's trying to be placed in a balanced situation, you know, as if this is just uh, the police acted against somebody, an innocent guy, who just happened to kill a couple people. So to a couple of things on this. First of all, how do we lose this media battle? Is it more the atmosphere of 2021 and therefore, it, it, it leads to a loss in this area where, where we just simply don't have the influence on CNN and other outlets uh, the way uh, we, our community uh, may have used to have had. Um, is it that more or is there a, a, a different clientele that is not, not clientele? Is there a different type of, uh, of person who's now working for these news outlets than the way they were 20 years ago, much less sympathetic to Israel or going out of their way to create headlines like this? How would you evaluate We've gotten to this point now. Well, this is a seminar, not a... a, <laughs> a seriously, it's a serious yeah. question, and I would say that everything you raised is part of it. Um, and the, the, the serious impact this has on public opinion, especially younger people, yeah. and the one-sided um, stuff on the, on the Internet, which we are working on, and many are working with the, the uh, Internet companies, but more importantly, monitoring it, and you see the influence, for instance, of Iran in promulgating these messages. And the, um, the way that, that you can see the trends when it comes to the anti-vaxxers or the anti-Israel, you can see where, where it builds up and where it's coming from and how it manifests itself. And here you have a generation that knows no history, that, is, that buys into the you know, political correctness of the day, and they themselves manifest these hostile attitudes towards um, towards Israel, and in some cases even towards Jews. Uh, and it's the way to attack Jews is is to attack Israel. Right. The um, uh, but the level of, of ignorance and the clear bias that's inherent in the, in the reporting, and part of the problem is that in in our earlier days, people would call up the stations, they would blast them. Today, people are lazy. They don't call up. They don't make their voice heard. They don't say that, you know, we have other options and we're not going to, you know, watch your station. We're not, <clears throat> we're not going to buy your publications. It's really imperative. People have to make their voices heard. And it's, it's, um, and we see the clear bias in, in the languages, language that um, people use. The Washington Post it can't, <clears throat> won't tell the truth about that there's no Palestinian state. It never tells the history that, that the and the reason why the Palestinians uh, are in the position they are in is with their own hands, not not any outside influence, and certainly not Israel, uh, to the most part. And I think it's it's uh, a reflection of all of the things that you listed, and the internet makes it almost impossible to shut it down because for every site, every site we close, five new ones come up. For every five we close, a hundred come up. And they can produce them instantly, and they keep promoting these um, uh, terrible messages. You know, we've had positive steps. The government of the U.K. Um, banned Hamas. 
you know, acknowledge now that there's no military and political wing, which the killing of Mr. K, I think, proved also that a guy who was tolerated because he was in the, quote, political wing of Hamas, you see that it's no political wing. They're all terrorists, and, and uh, it's one terrorist organization. Um, and the the uh, Britain, um, after 20 years, finally corrected this this um, anomaly. There are others that are, are looking at it as well, Australia, um, because this and the significance is that a lot of money goes from England to Hamas. This will stop that. Wow! Um, but a, a real practical <laughs> reason to have it to have it altered. Right. And, uh, no, because a lot of times we think it's symbolism. A lot of times we think it's rhetoric. This is practical in, in addition to all that. There is a practical, exactly. There is practical implication uh, for this. And we have to go even further about um, than, than this, but it's an important step. Right. You know, a, a really well-respected Jewish leader, and sorry to toot my own horn, but I'm going to do it, uh, and, and it, it's really sad that I have to do it or that I acknowledge this because it tells us the conditions of what's happening in the media out there. When someone says to me, a respected Jewish leader says to me this week, uh, the, the, only, the only time people can hear the truth is to hear your Friday conversations. Now, Malcolm, that's wonderful, and it's a great pitch. But it's sad that, that this is one of the few places where people can actually hear the truth about what's going on and the truth about how the Jewish community and leadership and lay people should react to what's going on. And all of us have to wake up. It's amazing that you just painted a picture of all of us being asleep at the wheel. Everyone's got to wake up, otherwise this is just going to get worse and worse. It, it is getting worse and worse, and I, I would say that much more is going on than is visible including some very in-depth stuff that, that um, I think will be important. But it's an overwhelming task, and people are very lazy. People are, you know, they get upset, but they get upset at me and then tell me what to do, but they themselves won't do anything mm-hmm. about it because our voices only depend on the, the, the voices of Amcha. Right. And often, I have to say this, that, that the non-Jewish community right. or, or organization also often will be the much more vocal right. on some of these things. Yeah, look, we, co- we consider these conversations a call to action, and people have to act. When there's a call to action, folks, you have to act. Otherwise, what's it worth? It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSchool.com, and the AlchemSchool Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And and the point I was making earlier about the murder of L.E.K., uh, of blessed memory, and uh, is that sometimes we have to realize, especially those of us who you know remember the days when these terror attacks were happening, unfortunately, on a daily basis, uh, they're never going to fully disappear. I mean, the, the enemy is very clever, and they think of really interesting ways to infiltrate and to get their evil ways done. Um, and their evil acts done. So, you know, I, I think it, I, I know that it sounds, you know, pretty, <laughs> it, it's pretty depressing to hear me say it, but I think that's, that that's part of the perspective, right, Malcolm? No matter how good and peaceful times are, and no matter what our relationship is with the UAE and other countries, there are always going to be efforts to literally murder Jews in the street. There are, and they are increasing, and it's not just we have to see it in our own country when you see the statistics, uh, the FBI reports that come out and the reports of the crimes that, uh, and the rise of anti-Semitic uh, incidents on campuses and physical assaults that um, can take, manifest themselves in many ways, both against individuals and against institutions associated with the Jewish community. Certainly in Europe, we have seen this uh, continue. 
and the, our voices really matter. We have to hold our uh, law enforcement to account, our political leaders. We have to legislate. That's why we push the IRA definition, because it gives you a standard against which to measure the compliance and the actions of, of governments, that they have a, a definition that they can look at, because if you can't define it, you can't fight it. And I, I know a lot of people raise questions about why the emphasis on it, and it's because when states adopted, universities adopted, others, and you look at the examples that are attached to the actual declaration, you'll see how comprehensive it is and how it covers a lot of the things that we see on campus that some would say, well, it's just freedom of speech, or, you know, you can do all of those things. No, you can't do all of those things. Yeah. And when the Shin Bet reports that a major Hamas terror plan with more than 50 cell members uh, has been stopped in the uh, in the area of, uh, of Samaria, um, we, we need to remember, as you always remind us, that these types of... Uh, of activities, you know, squelching um, a terror attacks or, 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 you know, terror plans are going on on a daily basis. So it, with this all- was a massive uh, action, and the the fact that they arrested these fifty Hamas operatives in the in the West Bank, and they were in the advanced stages of major terrorist attacks, according to the Shin Bet and others, they found a lot of weapons and stuff for. Uh, ex- at least four explosive belts for suicide attacks. It was led by the deputy head of the Hamas Politburo, and again goes back to our point before, But and and also by a guy, one of the leaders, uh, Nanajib, who is based in Turkey. And one of the reasons why when people ask us what the continuing anger in, against Turkey is because they allow Hamas to operate and that orders are given out from there. Mm. And, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of shekels were invested in their activities. Uh, and I think they offered a million dollars, whoever carried out a uh, successful kidnapping. And, uh, you know, so when people raise questions, say, well, Hamas, you're, you're just focusing on targeting them. No, this is the reality of Hamas. And all those who aid and abet it have to be held accountable for it. You mentioned earlier about Iran and the less likely, I mean, New York Times had an article about it. Others are writing about it. The, 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 it more likely to be a scaled down Iran deal or no deal at all uh, moving forward. Th- does that tell us that the Obama administration was desperate to get a deal and wanted to do so under any circumstances or facts on the ground and the situation today is just so different that we can't expect it to be the same as it was back in 2015. No, the 2015 deal was deeply flawed. It did not address a lot of the concerns. It didn't address the broader picture of Iran's aggressiveness and, uh, uh, and aggression in the region and beyond. It didn't deal with their terrorist activities and support for terrorist organizations. It, you know, these are all vital issues, but they're all saying that has to be dealt with in a separate uh, document. They rushed to, to, into this without thinking. You know, they had the sunset clauses about when different provisions would end. We're already there. We're seeing the end of it. In the meantime, they're enriching at 60% and increasing the amount by 10%, 12% every month. They have um, so huge stockpiles that violate the JCPOA. They, they enrich, which is supposed to be at a 3.67 level, is now at 60%, and they have huge amounts at 20 and 60%. They, we know that they're violating virtually every aspect with the advanced centrifuges that they put in place that they're not supposed to. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency visited there in the last days and came away with zero. They don't allow they don't allow the IEA to have cameras, which they're supposed to, to monitor 
facilities or to let him go to Karaj, where we believe that more advanced work is being done. And uh, he, he literally came away with nothing. And I think that the, the uh, European countries with whom uh, the Iranians will meet on the 29th, not with the U.S., by the way. The U.S. is not party to that. Mm. They'll be there. And, but when we see the statements, the, you know, Rob Malley making optimistic statements, when we don't see any foundation for it, and yet at the same time we hear, well, we're ready for anything. We, will, we, we have alternatives. If they don't comply, we're going to take steps. But they're not specific. Whether do they mean more sanctions or other things? In the meantime, the economy of Iran is tottering. The, the currency is almost... The um, number of uh, people who are unemployed amongst young people, I, I can go through all the statistics. As you know, we keep in touch with them uh, about the, uh, the situation. It's so funny because the, the mainstream media has been painting a picture that they're actually rebuilding and, and recovering. They're not rebuilding anything, I can tell you. They are building things. They, you know, they, they put in their own Bavaris 373 a- a- aircraft any aircraft system. Um, they're trying to, um, you know, locate it in uh, other places. The fact is that they are doing nothing. They haven't made any concessions. They, uh, the hardliners, hard, super hardliners in the Muslims and others, and now you have a super hardline government. They can't make the excuse that it's a Rouhani and who is really a hard extremist as well. Um, but, you know, they're saying we're not going to make any concessions. They don't talk about any other issues. They're talking only about getting rid of the sanctions. And if we, in fact, do that, if we lift sanctions at a time when we have them on the ropes, when COVID has taken a very heavy toll there, and the, uh, you know, we, we've allowed them to, um, to evade the sanctions and to export oil, and this month I think they said it was like a million two hundred thousand barrels at a high, much higher price. You know, it went from twenty six, twenty five to seventy five dollars. And Iran will get at least a billion dollars this year when we're supposed to be imposing sanctions and restrictions on them, uh, not humanitarian restrictions for those who are going to jump to the defense. Uh, and, you know, people yeah. say to me, well, medicine, no, that's not covered by this. It's very clear what the um, what the laws and what and they continue to what the sanctions cover and they continue to to support Hamas and, and Hezbollah and all of these other groups. Uh, so we're facing a situation where Iran is is moving ahead. They're turning to they're, they, they they boldly proclaim how they harassed American Navy uh, nine times in the last uh, two years or so, uh, documenting it that that the Navy goes out and says for every time they killed one of our sailors, we attack them, meaning Western and U.S. interests, uh, ships and others. They continue to promulgate the story that, that how they took away this ship that America seized when it, it's a complete lie. They seized the boat. They did it as a sham exercise to be able to boast about it. But, but the whole story, and yet the media bought it hook, line, and sinker. And, and, and when it was shown not to have been true by U.S. officials and others, you don't see them, them retracting and, and saying how they were uh, manipulated. So right now we're looking at the possibility of a partial nuclear deal with Iran. Uh, Israel has been warning consistently uh, against it, and that uh, temporary limits don't don't stop them in their long-term uh, drive. Uh, we're, we're rushing towards uh, other deadlines that, once passed, will open up all the possibilities uh, for them to, to move quickly, and that their breakout time continues to shrink, meaning the time from right. which they can move into to getting a... Uh, 
a, a nuclear weapon, and um, and and just um, know that they have um, they haven't yet fixed a warhead that's small enough to be put on top of the three thousand ballistic missiles we believe they have, but they're rapidly moving towards it to to all the phases of what it takes to have a nuclear weapon and to be able to launch it. They test the ballistic missiles. So no one should be put off that the talks are in any way a favorable thing at this point. If Iran if, and the Europeans and U.S. would really put the crush on them, they can't stand against it. The internal situation is, is terrible. One of the reasons they do all this drone stuff is, one, it's effective, too, because their Air Force is so old and antiquated, and it shows how the sanctions impact. If only people would realize how close the world is to literally... Stepping on their throat, not letting go, and putting an end to them. But uh, nobody wants to take that final uh, that final leap. And, and the people in Iran keep telling us it. Yeah, you know, they, 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 and they're willing to take the burden of of uh, the consequences of increased sanctions if it meant that this regime, right. this oppressive regime, would be removed from from their necks. All right, two quick things and then a quick Hanukkah message. Uh, any big deal that Prince Charles made his first post-COVID foreign trip to Egypt? Anything? Any big deal about this or not? No, I think it's a bigger deal that Britain, you know, listed Hamas. Um, look, right. it's always significant when uh, uh, things like this happen. But Britain is actually moving its training base to Oman from Europe. Um, they say it's closer to potential places where they have to use it, like Iran. So that's a good message. Uh, so um, I think that the um, um, the, the, the visit, uh, every visit is significant. We have to show these countries support, especially those who joined the Abraham Accords. They have to know that we're going to be with them. And then they have to back these countries when Bahrain foiled a big attack and confiscated Iranian weapons when um, the, the um, UAE stands against Iran. And when we see the, the dangers that it poses, that's really where the, the voices count. Right. Understood. And also, maybe we should start with this next week, because Germany is always seen as such an important leader and had a leadership role in Europe, and whether it's the EU or Europe in general. Uh, what do we know about the new German, uh, the likely German Chancellor, Olaf Scholz? And what do we know about the new likely German Foreign Minister, Annalena Baerbach? Generally, they, people are, are positive about uh, the change. You know, uh, Merkel had enjoyed a special status right. and ruled for all of these years, um, did reach out to Israel and was considered um, supportive and positive changes. I think in more recent years it, was, it wasn't seen as strong as it was before, but I think it was sustained throughout that she, she moved it in the right direction. And uh, the, the new government already announced that they are going to reach out to the Jewish community and make sure that they're secure and that they, Jewish life can flourish there and that they will sustain the relationship with Israel. And Hanukkah message, especially now during these crazy times when we try to think of and remember history of the Jewish people, especially for the Hanukkah episode, and at the same time uh, look look forward to the work that needs to be done and what uh, what needs to be corrected in this world. So I want to take a little bit of a different approach and just two things that came out in the last few days. One is of an 11-year-old girl in the Sifting Project who found a 2,000-year-old silver coin from the period of the Great Revolt against the Romans that should be found during this week 
One side, it has an um, inscription that Israeli shekel, and the second year, meaning it was the second year of the revolt in 68 CE. And on the other side, wow. it had an inscription, Holy Jerusalem, in, in ancient Hebrew script. And if this isn't a reminder to us and a message to us, uh, it was found on the pilgrimage ro- road, which those who have visited, uh, you know, comes from Meshiloach, from the Shiloh pool. But the other thing is an amazing discovery of a fortress from the Seleucid times that were destroyed by the Maccabees and have been a mystery till now. But it, it seems that the buildings collapsed. And therefore, a lot of it was remained intact, but it, it documents what was probably the last battle by John Hyrtonus, uh, who was a uh, Kohen uh, Gadol and uh, uh, ruler of, uh, of Yehuda of Judea, and he was a nephew of Yehuda Maccabee. And the, uh, the story that, was, that this now underscores, um, that, they, that the army was seen as it approached, and so they all fled. And therefore, we have intact the evidence of the last battle of the Maccabees. So tell this to your kids. Tell them the stories. It's, it's so important that they know this is not mythology and it's not, you know, um, fairy tales. But they found hundreds of pottery shards, coins, everything that, that document, and even little jugs like the one that was in the base of Mikdash, they believe, with, that made the miracle of Hanukkah possible. So... People were getting the messages. Just got to be awake to them. Be alert to them. Every reason to be optimistic. We overcame terrible odds in the past. We will overcome the challenges today. Phenomenal message, and boy, do we need that pep talk this time. I'll tell you, 5782-2021, crazy times, everybody. Let's utilize the holiday of Hanukkah to, in fact, remember the past, but to look to the bright future as long as we're there to continue fighting the battle, the same one the Maccabees were fighting, frankly. Uh, Malcolm, I take this opportunity to wish you a very uh, wonderful Hanukkah, and I hope we get to speak Arab Shabbos Hanukkah next week here at JM&M. Uh, God willing, I hope so. Uh, I should be able, but I'll be traveling this coming weeks to carry this message everywhere, so God willing, I'll do it as often as I can. Much appreciated. Seriously, much appreciated. I think uh, it's one of the things I learned from the comment that that person made to me this week is that the efforts we make um, every time to, to do this segment uh, hopefully will have tremendous results. People are asleep at the wheel. We need them to uh, heed the call to action and get involved as much as possible. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the a.m.